I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode two, we talk about what happens when you get in a rut creatively, and we talk to Jason Jasperson about his creative process. Welcome to episode two of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. How are you doing, Tim? Doing pretty well. How about you, Drew? Well, you know, I, I've i had better days. I'm kind of, <laughs> I've been stuck in this rut lately. I've So as some of you may know, here at Illumin, every year we host a songwriting weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends of the year. But this past year, I wrote this song about the peace that passes understanding, and I was really excited about it, and I got to a place where I really liked the words, and I wrote a melody for it, and I performed it at Songwriting Weekend, and it it was fine. I got some nice feedback and everything, but I was never really satisfied with the melody for it. I've tried rewriting it now. I It's at least three or four times, and I just, like... I get into these ruts where I I have this phrase in, in the lyrics that in my head has a particular rhythm to it. And so I want the, the song, the melody to reflect that rhythm and everything. But then like it just gets me more and more stuck because every time I write a new melody, I still want to reuse that rhythm. And so the new melody doesn't end up being that much different than the old one. And so I'm dissatisfied with it for a lot of the same reasons. So I thought maybe today we could talk about you and I are both primarily songwriters when it comes to our artistic endeavors. So as songwriters, what are, or as a songwriter, Tim, what are some things that you do when you get kind of into a rut like that? Yeah, well, I actually had a similar problem two years ago at Songwriting Weekend, which is interesting. I just completely hit what felt like a brick wall. And I couldn't write. I couldn't. And I was just like, for me, it was, I know I need to do this. I actually have a time crunch because that's the whole purpose of our, of our weekend is force yourself to do this, to realize that it's not always so hard. Well, sometimes it feels so hard. And for me, part of that is removing myself from that situation. Like I was sitting at the same piano the entire time and nothing worked. So I literally grabbed a book that I had in my backpack on the Holy Spirit Uh, It was about the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I walked over to a couch and just sat down and started reading it. And I knew it was in the middle of a time that was supposed to be used for that songwriting. But I'm like, for some reason, this just seems like the right thing to do right now. And I've noticed that every single time that I've removed myself from that situation of you're getting nothing done or nothing productive is happening or you're falling back into the same rut of songwriting or the rut of rhythm or rut of rhythm or whatever it is, um, Removing yourself just for a brief period. I, I, for what worked with me is at that songwriting weekend, I actually completely shifted and switched my entire song. I was originally planning on writing on a different topic. And after reading a good portion of that book, it's not a very long book, but just a, a portion that just really was like, okay, I now have a new a new thing to work with. I, I, I wrote my song about how the Holy Spirit comes to us, um, not always through baptism, because we talk a lot about how the Holy Spirit creates faith through baptism, but he does it through the word of God as well. And we don't have a lot of good songs about that. So 
So sometimes being in a rut simply means stepping away from the project. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that you were, you know, sitting at the same piano the whole time that you kind of got into your rut. It made me realize that uh, I'm pretty sure every single one of these rewrites that I've been working on, I've literally been sitting right where I'm sitting now at my desk (laughs) playing the exact same guitar. And, you know, that's, that's something that in the past has worked for me as well to either just get a change of atmosphere or maybe even just play a different instrument or what even as simple as like changing from uh, an electric guitar to an acoustic guitar or uh, playing a mandolin instead. So just <laughs> anything to just kind of get your brain thinking about things differently um, than that, that rut you've been in. Yeah. And honestly, it may just be playing a different song or listening to a different song or whatever, and just getting your mind off of, the thing that feels like it's holding you back or you're stuck with. Yeah. I'm looking forward to giving it another shot and seeing if I can find some some ways to get out of that rut that I've been in. And if I'm being honest, sometimes it's just me being stubborn. Like there's, there's one particular line in the chorus of the song that I liked so much. And I I know it's not like the song is meant to be used by a congregation. So there are certain things that I realize are more or less difficult for congregations to do as far as singing goes. Um, and there's this one line in the chorus that I'm just really stubbornly holding on to, even though I, I know it's not the most easy rhythm for a, a congregation to sing, but yeah, sometimes I just have to get over myself. I think. Well, and, and I think you'll be surprised at times with what you can accomplish when your mind is clear and when you're when you're ready to think about um, something in a new way. Yeah. Today we are excited to welcome Jason Jasperson to the podcast. Welcome, Jason. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me here. Of course. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. I am an artist who works in a variety of media. Most recently. Um, I've been working with Coine Worship Media on developing packages for congregations to use uh, in worship. I do sculpture, painting, drawing, animation, sand animation, and probably other things too. I, uh, I spent 17 years teaching high school at Minnesota Valley Lutheran High School, and now I teach sculpture classes at Bethany College in Mankato. So I was watching an episode of The Process, which is uh, a cable show that you're on, Jason, where you kind of walk through the process of some of your various projects. And one thing that struck me that you said was the concept, especially when you were working on a commission, that the concept was the hardest part for you sometimes. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Like when you're trying to come up with a concept, is it do you just kind of wait for inspiration to hit? Do you just try a bunch of things and see what sticks? What What do you do? Well, you actually called me right in the middle of this process. It's a couple of days I've been looking ahead at hymn packages for Koine and just kind of starting from scratch. So what I do to answer your question about inspiration versus, you know, other things, one of my favorite quotes is from the contemporary artist Chuck Close. He says, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us just show up and get to work. Hmm. And so, you know, I believe in that. I believe that ideas come from action. 
and not the other way around. So I'm sitting here uh, printing out lyrics, doing little sketches, listening to the songs, gluing things together, just like just as a way to be moving while I'm thinking about the content. So it's it's a low level activity, doesn't take a lot of thinking, but it's designated space for kind of meditating on the content. So you mentioned ideas come from action, and right now it seems a lot of your action is based on that media revolving around hymn lyrics for Koine Media. So in that way, you make your own inspiration, it sounds like. Well, we, we insist that we always go back to the text. So we look very closely at the lyrics. We look very closely at uh, even things like grammar and, and punctuation in Christian worship in the hymnal. Um, and we're careful, painfully careful, to, um, to be faithful to those sources. And, yeah, you know, making your own inspiration, I, I kind of kind of believe that originality is a myth that everything is really just a, a recombination sure so right now actually i'm scanning postcards from germany i think from the early 1900s of albrecht durer prints and i i look at these things i've got a stack of hundreds of them each one's a different a different image and you know, it's just humbling to know that great minds have wrestled with with these topics throughout history. And so I looked I, I looked to history quite a bit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I've often said that I I don't write songs, I just combine other people's songs and rip them off in very small amounts and just combine them into one thing and hope it sounds good. Yeah, you know, I, I taught high school and uh, in advanced placement art, the APR council is very insistent on uh, students not plagiarizing their artwork. So the example they gave is they showed slide after slide after slide, dozens of slides of students copying the front cover of The Doors with Jim Morrison with his arms stretched out. Yep. This, this iconic image that gets done over and over, and it and they say it doesn't matter if um, if it's brightly colored or if you change the media or whatever. You're still using that person's idea. And and then they say in the court of law, you know, at what point does it become yours? Here's a wishy-washy thing. They say once you've changed it 80 percent. How do you how do you even determine that? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so there's this there's this strange middle ground between ripping people off and like engaging in a conversation with great ideas and it could be seen in ways too of paying homage to an artist or a style people developed styles over hundreds of years and if you want to pay tribute to that i mean that's what is taught in a lot of art classes is actually let's do something in the style of andy warhol or something in the style of the impressionists so you get to learn the different ideas do you think that, in a way, in order for artists to really be original, they have to create their own style then? Or how can we draw from those past ideas? I, I think what you need to do is look deep. 
and try to try to see through the work and see into the decisions. So I've got something glued up on my wall here that says style equals tropes and voice equals a way of thinking. I like that. So, you know, I want to try to avoid cliches and say, you know, the impressionist example, say you sort of in that, that art school idea that you're going to do a, an impressionist style painting. That's a fine way to learn about color and study a little art history. But if you're just like using their colors and using kind of like their brush strokes, I think you're kind of missing Monet's message. And if you get to his way of thinking, for example, seeking truth, he's trying, he was trying to paint as accurately as his eyes could show him a moment in time. And so take that idea. How, how can you chase truth through your own filter, your own hands, uh, then I think you're starting to come to, you can't help but develop an individual voice. And then you have that individual voice, but sometimes do you feel that voice wavering? What I really mean by that question is, you may have inspiration and ideas, but what happens when you don't like something that you've done? Will you come back to it another time, or would you just throw it out? Uh, sometimes, if if life allows it, I've come to a point where, you know, I'm I'm backed up with projects, and uh, those projects are commitments to other people, and so, you know, sometimes I have to I have to let something go that I'm not, you know, I know I could have done better, or I could have, if I would start over, I, I would do it differently. But I don't know if life will allow will allow me that chance. I've had a couple a couple examples I can think of. For example, with Coin A, uh, I've done three versions of Sand Animation for their song "A Sunny Manual." Okay. Um, and you know that so that feels like it's resolved for me. I think I I think I got it. But there's a lot of things dangling out there that I'd love another shot at. So when you have specific commitments, and in, in the past having maybe commissioned uh, artwork, how do you find yourself taking care of the process or making sure you keep your priorities straight? That's a great question. I've had to learn task management. I've had to work very hard at keeping track of all of the different commitments that I make. And, you know, honestly, I, I've found that I'm not a great communicator especially when i'm in the zone when i'm you know really working on an idea or a project that's a place i i feel is important that i need i need to stay in there because that's where the work happens but in in order to free up my mind and and allow it to uh, think about the concepts i use uh, i use evernote to keep track of my tasks and I put my tasks in different task categories depending on where that is in the workflow. So for example, a, a task might be in a do it now uh, place, which means that 
it'll only take a couple minutes, just do all of these real fast and blast a bunch of them out. Or I might move something into a projects in process category, just and it just sort of stays there in a holding pattern. I might put something in a waiting for if, for example, I can't do anything about it at this point and I, I need some feedback from somebody or something's coming in the mail or, you know, for some reason I can't take action at the time. So that's all part of the, the getting things done uh, setup. I forget the name of the guy who, who invented that, but it's a, a production kind of uh, life hack. So that, that has really helped my sort of scattered brain keep track of things. I can just review my tasks, move them around, delete them if I need to, put some notes, put some images in each of those notes. Then my, my brain doesn't have to have to remember all that stuff. My computer's got it or my phone's got it. Sure. So you talked about being kind of in the zone at certain times. Have you found, are there any things that help you get into that zone or just ways that you can achieve that more often? Well, I, I know I can answer this kind of from the opposite. I know that panic is the enemy of the zone. Well, I bet. I guess I'm I'm hesitant about absolutes now, because um, <laughs> sometimes the deadline really motivates, and and you know you just like kick it in. But for the most part, I'm thinking about uh, taking it easy and kind of being in in a. It's described as an alert, but calm state of mind, somewhere between being bored and being anxious. You know, is this just right state where you realize you can do this? It fits your fits your capabilities. It fits your interests, and so sometimes I'll kind of try to ratchet a project so it so it maybe fits my interest or it fits my capabilities, or if necessary, I'll I'll try to get better at something. So I'm less anxious about doing that project. When you're, when you're facing a project that kind of just seems like a mountain that you can't climb over, what do you think is the best method for yourself to make sure that you can get it done, especially if it's a commitment that you've made? Artists and designers talk about the design process. At the beginning of something, it can seem like a monster. It can, it can seem like... You got yourself into something that you can't get out of. I found that that really kind of breaking down the steps. And, you know, this is just like a high school teacher teaching you how to write a paper. Make an outline. Mm -hmm. Do your research. And you go through all these steps and, and you do a rough draft and you do edits and you let it rest for a while and you come back to it with a fresh mind. Sometimes things feel just nearly impossible. They feel overwhelming. And I feel better when I get my tasks out, like in order. And when I, I kind of map out what steps need to happen for a project. And I might not know, for example, the color scheme or the scale or the material. But even if I make myself a list of possible materials possible feel or mood 
you know, just having like all of that stuff written down or mapped out puts my heart at ease. I'll say too, there, there's two other aspects to this. I pray a lot for guidance. And also, I know, I absolutely know that every project has an ugly duckling phase. <laughs> you know, it, it, when I was younger, I would be so discouraged by this. And I, it's a little terrifying to be, in, to be into something, fully committed to it, and then look at your work so far, and it just looks like garbage. And... And that's not just like the artist, you know, being overly critical. It's empirically garbage. <laughs> Awful. And, and I've been through that so many times. And I know that it's coming, you know. And so when, when it arrives, I say, oh, I guess it's that time for this to be awful. And the only way out of it is to put your head down and keep working and suspend judgment until later and just work and work and work and work. And, you know, it gets better. Avoiding it doesn't make it better. Right. That's a great concept. Yeah. It still hurts. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. every, everything I do is still painfully difficult, but Maybe I've just built a tolerance for pain. <laughs> well, Jason, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. This has been a fun talk. For those of you listening at home, if you'd like to learn more about Jason and his work or would like to purchase some of his products, you can visit his website, jjjasperson.com, or you can check him out on social media at jjjasperson. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. Drew, earlier in the episode, we talked about Songwriting Weekend. Could you let the audience know a little bit more about that? Yes. If you want more information about Songwriting Weekend, you can go to illuminecontent.com slash songwriting-weekend. That link will also be in the show notes. Also, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. We're super thankful for the support we have from our patrons and uh, excited to share a little bit of bonus content with you guys as the episodes move forward. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wells Creatives. That's it for this episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.